0: Hi, I'm Vashi Capellos and welcome to the West Block Podcast for Sunday, December 24th. On the show this week, a conversation with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on ethics, Donald Trump and what keeps him awake at night. The answer may surprise you. Then we'll unpack the politics of our interview with Justin Trudeau and the recent findings from the Ethics Commissioner that put the Prime Minister on her naughty list. Plus, Canada's Dominion Carol Honor on the music she plays this holiday season and our annual Christmas favourite, a reading with MPs on the Hill. But first, it's been a challenging year for the government, inside our borders facing ethics controversies, and outside our borders facing the possibility of life after NAFTA. Last week, I met the Prime Minister at Marvin's, a Greek restaurant in his Montreal riding, where we talked about some of those challenges. Have a listen to our conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy Merry holidays Christmas. to you and your family. It's great to see you here. It's so great to be at here. At this Greek establishment institution, as you call it. Uh, as I was saying, I'm Greek, and so that dictates, like, everything I do at the holidays, which means eating a lot. Lots of food. What is Christmas like at the Trudeau house?
1: Uh, food, family, uh, usually outside adventures. If there's enough snow, sledding and building snow forts. Uh, if there's not enough snow, know uh, whatever, whatever we can do. Uh, outside, it tends to be a, a time to gather, uh, gather the family together, and uh, you know we all leave some busy, busy lives. Mm-hmm. That uh, taking a moment to really uh, uh, sit back, eat uh, way too much, and uh, <laughs> and sit on the couch while we watch the kids play with presents.
0: Your upbringing uh, has been the focus for critics lately, I guess, when they're talking about your upbringing, and and maybe um, Minister Morneau's wealth when they're talking about the controversy surrounding him. And when I was thinking about the past few months, I was sort of Uh, You know, I've interviewed him and and obviously heard what you've said about the situation. And the critics seem to be on one side saying, you know, he really should have gone further. He broke the rules. Uh, This is on him. Or not broke the rules, but he, he followed the rules, but he should have done more. And on the other side, you guys saying, look, he followed the rules. When he heard he should do more, he did do more. Is there any kind of gray area there?
1: You know, this whole issue, as you you just laid out, uh, he did follow the rules. Could he have done more? Sure. As soon as it was brought to his attention, he did do more. This is um, something that has uh, been really focused on by the opposition. And one of the things you sort of have to reflect on is, if they're spending all their time on personal attacks and on, you know, supposed ethical issues, Why aren't they talking about the economy? Why aren't they talking about job numbers? Why aren't they talking about uh, the things that matter concretely in people's day-to-day lives? And the answer is they don't have much to criticize us on on that level.
0: So do you think that people don't really care about it? Like, do you think oh, no. it didn't people, really matter to people? No, no, people
1: care about it. People care about ethics. People care about, about values. I mean, we we ran a campaign on more openness, more transparency, and we've largely delivered on that. And that's, that's something that matters because people's confidence in their institutions, their confidence in government, really does matter. And that's why, um, you know, the, the constant engagement that we have outside of the House of Commons with Canadians, uh, whether it's in by-election campaigns or... Uh, in town hall tours, which I'm uh, going to be doing again in January. This is a really important time to pay attention to what Canadians are worried about. Do
0: you have any say in sort of how Minister Morneau navigated that whole thing, or was it
1: him. No, I told him to you know, tell the truth and be be responsible and that's exactly what he's continuing to do and to stay focused on delivering on the real things that matter which which we've been able to do.
0: I wanted to ask you if you think the what, about the importance of a formal agreement, whether it be NAFTA or with China or with TPP, at least from the outside looking in, I'm not behind the scenes, but it, it seems like all three are hanging in the balance mm-hmm. right now. Do you, Is a formal agreement, agreement from your perspective the be-all end-all? Oh,
1: yes. We want a predictable, clear framework uh, so that uh, businesses, workers, so Canadians can know what they're going to engage in and and know how to play with the rules of the game so they can be sure that their investments and their... their Building for the future will reach predictable ends. If if you look at the rise of populism, the rise of nationalism around the world, uh, there's this inward focus that ultimately is going to hurt economic growth, hurt economic trade, because people don't feel that trade is working for them. It's working for the big businesses, it's maybe working for political bottom lines. But it's not helping ordinary people. And that's why you you get the populism and the nationalism. What we're saying instead is, what if we were able to sign trade deals that guaranteed that small businesses, that uh, workers would have protections? Then we could move forward in the right direction. That's what we did with CETA. That's what we're doing in updating the Pacific Alliance. And those are the conversations we're having on the new TPP, on engaging with China, on the ASEAN, the Southeast Asia trade deal we're looking at. And, of course, on the big one, on NAFTA as well, saying making sure that we put in provisions on environment, on labour, on women, is part of a way of making sure that there are good deals that people can support.
0: What if you can't get agreement on those exact provisions you're talking about? Has that become sort of the new red line? I,
1: I need to talk about clear red lines because The red line for us is, is the deal going to be good for Canadians or not? Uh, And good for Canadians, for me, means, uh, is it going to protect individuals' rights and workers' rights? Is it going to give us an opportunity to grow the economy in ways that include everyone, include the middle class and those working hard to join it? Um, That's the question I'm looking at. And if it doesn't, Unlike what one of our former Prime Ministers said, I'm not going to sign any deal at any cost. If it's a bad deal, I'm going to walk away from it, because no deal uh, is better than a bad deal for Canadians.
0: It's one of the big issues two years into your mandate. Uh, We're, of course, two years away from another election. What is, at this point in your time in office, the thing that keeps you up?
1: Just one thing. Uh, one thing, probably NAFTA, uh, because there's there's a level of. Um unpredictability uh, that it's out of our control uh, and you know, we know if the relationship with the US goes sour um, you know, we could be doing everything right at home and uh, you know our economy would still end up suffering that's the level to which we are dependent on on the US so uh, that's something that I think people know we've devoted an awful lot of energy to 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 building a good relationship but not just with the administration which has been positive but with governors with uh, with different uh, organizations organizations, chambers of commerce, businesses, it's, it's, it's sort of been nice to be able to draw on all the amazing connections that Canadians themselves have made with folks in the United States over, over the course of, uh, of our history and draw on that at a time of, of stress uh, to ensure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that everyone comes out of this okay. Before
0: we go, we are, of course, it is Christmas. And in the Christmas spirit, I thought I would ask you, as we head into this election, two-year election period, uh, what is the best quality about your competition? Andrew Scheer, the leader of the Conservatives, and Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, each individually.
1: Um, uh, Andrew Scheer is 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 uh, most of the time a very pleasant fellow. Uh, and... Um, I've only met the leader of the NDP once or twice, so I, I don't really have much to say about Jagmeet, other than he—it's it, a—he's a great example of, of uh, the diversity of Canada that that he, he you know he came from a uh, a, a different uh, background, and I think it it shows that um, that we're doing a lot of strides around making diversity a strength and not a weakness. It's a good thing.
0: Okay, we'll leave it there. Thanks for your time. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, or as we say in Greek, kalach istou, you
1: Christos know? <laughs> That's Easter. That's and Easter. And then uh, is just uh, Yeah, just
0: in general. We say a general yeah. And then we say eat baklava. Eat baklava. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Prime Minister. I appreciate sure. it. Merry
1: Christmas. You too.
0: We, of course, want to unpack the politics of that interview with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And to help us do that, we're joined by Global's chief political correspondent, David Aiken and Canadian Press Ottawa Bureau Chief Heather Schofield. Thank you very much to both of you for being here. Some breaking news happened after we taped that interview, a couple of days after, in that the ethics commissioner found that the Prime Minister, by taking that vacation in the Bahamas, contravened certain sections of the Conflict of Interest Act. David, explain a bit why that's important.
2: It is important. We asked the Prime Minister himself why it was important. He said it was because a prime minister has to obey any and all laws and breaking this law it's the conflict of interest act doesn't come with a jail term or even a big fine it comes back to, so far with no fine at all but it is significant and it says listen everybody's got to obey the law and the prime minister himself said as much so uh, he took this vacation uh, in the Bahamas uh, with his friend his family friend the Aga Khan uh, the uh, f- philanthropist and spiritual leader and the conflict of interest commissioner said listen it still is Because of his role professionally and your role professionally, that's a conflict of interest. And you took a private aircraft to get from NASA to his private island, and that's expressly forbidden in the act, and so that's a violation. So it's a big deal. It's an ethics violation, the first ever Mm -hmm. by a sitting prime minister, and that's a big deal.
0: Heather, do you think that Canadians care about it? And, and I'll ask because we heard in that interview with the Prime Minister when he was talking about the Bill Morneau ethics controversy, the opposition is just focusing on this because we're doing everything right on the stuff that matters to Canadians, implying that this stuff doesn't matter.
3: What do you think? I think it absolutely does matter, and and it could be that the, the nitty gritty details don't uh, register, but you know, the Prime Minister himself and Bill Morneau too have both spent a lot of time talking about the middle class and and trying to incorporate everybody into public life and and um, you know lashing out against entitlement and yet here they are basically um, you know accused and and found responsible for having very entitled behavior. Um, And so they're kind of exacerbating that whole, the whole problem that they are are setting out to solve and, and, uh, you know, because they've got so many people thinking about, um, you know, their station in life and and, um, you know, they've actually reached out to try to punish the rich in a way by raising taxes. Um, They've got people thinking about this issue, about how do the rich behave and and, and yet they are, you know, acting in in an entitled way.
2: We know it's important to the liberal brand because look at those mandate letters when this government started in which the Prime Minister himself said there is the act but you will go above and beyond and arrange your fa- affairs to be beyond reproach and the two most senior people in the cabinet mm-hmm. the Prime Minister and the Finance Minister have found to not only gone below that standard but they violated the law.
3: Do they carry this or does this stay with them into 2018 Heather? Absolutely it does I mean it hurts it hurts their branding um, and it's going to be I think hard to for them for, for them to speak with authenticity when they when they Keep, if they keep going down this path of, of, you know, talking about the middle class, it's it's certainly going to, I think, make a lot of people skeptical about whether or not they can actually see and understand and, and act responsibly to, to better the lot of the middle class and, and the working class.
0: And they might not want the issue to carry with them. They're, they told us, like the Prime Minister told us in the interview, that he's focused on the economy mm-hmm. and that NAFTA is really what co- you know keeps him up at night. How big of an issue do you see NA- the NAFTA negotiations into next year being, and Donald Trump more generally?
2: Well, and so there's two ways to look at that. Um, the ethics issue is completely within the control of his government. In other words, they're responsible, as he said uh, here. But he told you, of course, there's really a whole lot that he can't do about NAFTA. He's just got to. We're, we're, you know, we can try and uh, talk to governors and Congress people as and manage our relations with the president. But at the end of the day, we could be a victim of a irrational Trump decision. Um, that's going to be the big story, I think. Certainly for the first half of next year is what's going on with NAFTA. But he does have, and this is one of the things they they can talk about if they want to change the channel. We know the prime minister is going to be doing another cross country tour. Is yes, our economy is. Doing very well, or finishes the year doing very well, with some danger sides ahead for the first six months.
0: He also said that uh, he's trying to sort of remove the drama from the dynamic in in the NAFTA negotiations, and he wasn't really, you know, there seems to be this emerging narrative that we can live without NAFTA; it's not the end of the world. But he doesn't; he wasn't really buying into that. Do you think that's politically smart, Heather?
3: Well. I, I think it's probably smart to try to remove the drama, but I don't know if he'll be successful. I mean, he also said some interesting things in terms of, you know, being quite blunt about the unpredictability of the Trump yeah. administration, and that just leads to drama in and of itself. I mean, uh, I think the he and his government have um, made a concerted effort to kind of look past that that unpredictability and try to find some something steady in it all. But, um, you know, he's almost admitting that, that that's just not possible here. Um, so obviously we have to focus a lot on political. Plan B, but is that even possible with, with the integration that we have with the U.S. economy? I thought it was kind of honest of him to say, this is totally out of
0: my hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. I Actually, I don't know if I've heard him put it in that kind of way before.
2: Well, well it's interesting, just because, it, I mean, Stephen Harper would get asked, I'm sure I asked Stephen Harper, something similar, what keeps you awake at night in various interviews. And for the government of his time, it was uncertainty and instability in Europe. That was the big external threat. And we were okay with uh, the the, Amer- the, uh, the Americans. And yes, Trudeau is quite rightly saying, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a much, much bigger thing uh, that the United States is right. To change the entire way that Canada and the United States get along on a commercial basis, and it, it absolutely is. It should be 100% of the focus. And I think that the Trudeau government's getting a lot of grief about stalled trade agreements in Asia. Um, and I think one of the reasons is, and I say it's okay, is because you got to make sure you're on board with the U.S. before you can do anything else on the trade front.
0: Right, it's just so much more important. For sure. Aside from federal and uh, international politics, we've got some exciting provincial things happening next year. How big of a story do you think the provinces will be next year, David?
2: Well, I've, I've, I know that the PM's gang, uh, the, the Trudeau's gang, thinks their numbers, if they're wilting a bit, in Ontario were all the fault of Kathleen Wynne, the un- unpopular Ontario Premier. So that's going to be interesting to watch going ahead. Also, uh, the whole dynamic between Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley in Alberta, that was a big story last year, going to be a big story ahead. And John Horgan, as he tries to manage a very sh- close government in BC that's going to be very important to Canada's e- economy going forward. Lots of provincial politics, maybe more exciting than what's going on here in Ottawa.
3: Well, I mean, there's so many of them are who are you know going to the polls here are mm-hmm. the PM's close allies, yes. right? Um, you Ontario, Quebec, BC, and Notley, too. Um, they're, well, we don't know about BC, but, <laughs> but you know, there's that happen. instability. Yeah, it could. Um, so, you know, we've gone through a period, I think, of fairly um, productive federal-provincial relations in terms of them being able to accomplish things, right? They are they are fairly like-minded in the room there. That might not be the case a year from now.
2: And we might see a new sort of anti-federal champion in the way Brad Wall has, you know, he's going to be out of the scene. Brian Pallister in Manitoba seems to be, seems to be so long as he doesn't there, yeah. fall down and hurt himself more. Or um, yeah, we'll he may be the new provincial leader uh, versus the Trudeau government.
0: Well, I'll have to wrap it up there. But thanks very much for your thoughts, guys. Lots to watch in the coming year. I appreciate your time. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you. You ben. too. Thanks. For nearly 10 years, Dr. Andrea McCready has been working on Parliament Hill as Canada's Dominion Carol Honor. She's the one playing the music you hear when you're on the Hill. Earlier this month, we caught up with her to learn about her instrument and her hopes for those listening
4: but it's a thrill every day. I open every recital with O Canada, and what could be better than playing O Canada on the Peace Tower on Parliament Hill and greeting people with that at noon every day. It's a magnificent instrument in a magnificent building. It's a symbol for Canada and for the world, and it's the best job. When people are standing out on the lawn and they hear bell sounds emitting from the tower, Every 15 minutes is the Westminster Quarters, and every hour is the hour struck on the biggest bell, the Borden. Those are real bells, and they are part of the carillon, but I'm not here every 15 minutes, 24-7, doing that. They are being struck live, and I play over 200 recitals per year. We have 53 bells in the tower, ranging from the Borden, which is the biggest bell, 10 metric tons, one bell, to the littlest bell, two stories above us, 53 bells higher, and that weighs only four and a half kilos. They're bolted to a frame, they do not swing, and the only thing that moves is the clapper inside the bell. It's about a couple of inches from the inside of the bell, held there by a wire transmission system, and the wires come into this playing room, which is situated inside the belfry uh, and each bell each clapper each wire attaches to its corresponding key or note and so there are a lot of arrangements made for carillon music not everything that i play in december is christmas people expect of course carol the bells jingle bells I don't play by ear and I can't improvise. And I I dare not on the Peace Tower so that I don't make, you know, mistakes and things. But I tell people that I'm open to suggestions. And so last year they wanted Mariah Carey's All I Want For Christmas Is You, and I got the music and adapted it for the carillon. And this year I had... uh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Everybody loves it. I don't want it to be Muzak from the air. I want people to perhaps stop as they are skating around or walking through the snow, and just catch their ear with something they recognize, and maybe listen for the next piece and smile.
0: that is our show for today from all of us here at the west block myself and the entire crew we genuinely want to wish you and your families a very merry christmas and we hope you get to spend some time together before we go though we want to leave you with our annual christmas reading featuring some pretty familiar faces you might recognize this year mps are reading the legend of the christmas tree
1: Two little
2: children were sitting by the fire one cold winter night. All at once they heard a timid knock at the door, and one ran to open it.
0: There outside in the cold and the darkness stood a child with no shoes upon his feet and clad in thin, ragged garments. He was shivering with cold, and he asked to come in and
1: warm himself.
0: Yes, come, cried both the children, you shall have our place by the fire, come in.
1: They drew the little stranger to their warm seat and shared their supper with him and gave him their bed while they slept on a hard bench.
4: In the night they were awakened by strains of sweet music and looking out they saw a band of children in shining garments approaching the house. They were playing on golden harps and the air was full of melody
1: suddenly the stranger child stood before them no longer cold and ragged but clad in silvery light his soft voice said i was cold and you took me in i was hungry and you fed me i was tired and you gave me your bed i am the christ child wandering through the world to bring peace and happiness to all good children as you have given to me so may this tree every year give rich fruit to you so saying He broke a branch from the fir tree that grew near the door, and he planted it in the ground and disappeared. But the branch grew into a
2: great tree, and every year it bore wonderful golden fruit for the kind children. I want to wish you, your family, your friends a very Merry Christmas and a very healthy, happy and prosperous New Year. All the best.
0: I'm Vashi Capellos. Thanks for listening to the West Block Podcast. For more, go to our website, thewestblock.ca, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and tune in again next week for another West Block Podcast.